to dragon training. Today, you will learn to fight dragons. Pain. Love it. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Today we are discussing how to train your dragon. An hour and 38 minutes, an animated action adventure directed by... Uh, who the fuck is this directed by? Oh, Dean Du Bois and Chris Sanders. Does anyone know who Chris Sanders is? Does Lilo and Stitch sound familiar? Chris Sanders was the voice of Stitch, and I believe he was also in the production for Lilo and Stitch as well. I think he actually was one of the directors, if not the main director of Lilo and Stitch. Um, Okay, so Dean Du Bois and Chris Sanders both directed Lilo and Stitch together. I know these individuals have uh, a lot of Disney credits through their name. Um, They also crossed into the DreamWorks Fields, but uh, Chris Sanders specifically, one of the directors has he's been a writer on Beauty and the Beast in 1991, Aladdin 1992's Aladdin, The Lion King 94, Mulan 98, and Lilo and Stitch in 2002. And from there, he jumped into How to Train Your Dragon eventually in 2010. Now he's doing the crods. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, that that's just one of the creators of this uh, How to Train Your Dragon. I I want to go through Dean Du Bois' uh, filmography real quick, too, just so you can kind of get some backstory of where these guys are coming from. Uh, Dean Du Bois is a writer, and, and he's known for being in the animation department, and he's also a director. He was a writer on Mulan, I believe that was with uh, Mr. Sanders, Chris Sanders, and Lilo and Stitch. Um, They both directed Lilo and Stitch, and they both directed How to Train Your Dragon. It doesn't seem that Mr. Du Bois had any directing credits before Lilo and Stitch. So um, I wanted to go back and check out the first How to Train Your Dragon, because I have heard some pretty good things about it and uh the the 2010s how to train a dragon and uh i wanted to just compare to see what people were thinking about this the first one versus the third one i have not seen the second one and i have not seen the third one but i just wanted to be kind of informed i wanted to know what the story was about and so uh Here's the story. A hapless young Viking who aspires to hunt dragons becomes an unlikely friend of a young dragon himself and learns there may be more to the creatures than he assumed. So it's a fairly simple plot featuring um, Jay Brashel's hiccup, Gerald but- uh, Gerald Gerard Butler as uh, uh, Steok. I think I got that right. His father. Um, Craig Ferguson as Gober, America Ferreira as Astrid, the love interest, uh, and and Finn, I guess is that considered? Uh... So America Ferreira is the strong, independent type, but she's also she they they kind of make of her make her a love interest as well. Um, Jonah Hill as Snotlout and. Christopher Mintz Plazzi as Fishlegs, 
both you both of them were featured in uh super bad several years before that um and tj miller uh, somehow made the cut for tough nut and uh kristen wieg as rough nut and uh i think that was about it uh david Tennant, oh is spite loud um so they got some crazy ass names in this and basically the only one i can explain is hiccup um the main character and he's named Hiccup basically because he's the runt of the litter. And I, I, I can tell you that because we're not in spoilers or anything like that. So basically, main character, Hiccup, he's kind of like the, he's, he's the, the leader's son. And he's, you know, he's not big and brawly and he's not everything he, he, his father wants him to be. So he's kind of a disappointment at the moment. So when this originally came out, I saw the trailers, I saw the marketing for it, and I don't know if it was because it was nine years ago and I was uh, in the I was a teenager at the time and I just was not interested in checking out you know uh, family oriented you know animation or if there wasn't enough word of mouth or I just wasn't in the loop. I don't know why this surpassed. Um, um, surpass me in just uh normally when there's high ratings of movies i like checking them out so i was like i don't know about hot train dragon it just didn't sound like that appealing of a movie it didn't sound exciting and to be honest re-watching the marketing after watching the movie doesn't exactly it gives away some some kind of big details but and i would have rather have not seen some of those details on in the marketing but because they were really nice to see them unspoiled um, but I'd say the things that were taking me away from not watching the movie were basically, I didn't think the name was very strong. The animation design on the characters was not exactly gripping in my opinion for, uh, teenage me, uh, teenage E. So, and I, after watching the movie, you, you kind of, I, I, I got to say that the animation design is much better once watching the movie, but the the faces and the character design are so different from many types of animation that you see. I think Disney has kind of uh, framed us to look at everyone's faces kind of the same way. Everyone has very similar body types, and uh, when you're watching this, everyone is so different and so diverse in size and statue, but not so much in maybe race or color. But um, anyways, the uh, the main parts about this movie that really work are, I'd say, it, if it's possible, I guess it's the cinematography. I, I thought the cinematography on this, the uh, – let me see if I can pull up if that makes sense that you can see the cinematographer in I don't know how to look at the cinematographer on here. This is kind of shitty. But anyways, I'll see if I can find it in a second. But I thought the the art design through the majority of the movie was just was excellent. I like the reasons that you would want to watch this movie if you have not seen this already would be because of the story. I think that the story is uh, it's pleasant. It's a fairly simple story. It's not very long. It doesn't feel like it needs to be trimmed that much, if any. Um, I mean, it's only an hour and a half, barely an hour and a half. Um, so the the story's nice, but it's really the 
I, I really liked how the story ended ended at the end. At the end. I, I, I liked how the story ended. Um, let me see. It, I think it's a satisfying ending that's different from a lot of different movies. And, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so... Other than that, I think it's 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 a fun a fun ride that doesn't feel like you go on. Well, actually, you you do you you do feel like you go on a little adventure. I think sometimes when you feel like you go on an adventure, you go a long distance. To be honest, I don't feel like in the characters in this go a very long distance, but they kind of grow in a way that makes it feel like they've gone a long way. So uh, maybe emotionally, they've gone very far so yes the art design the uh the way the world is constructed and shown there's so many different types of dragons if uh i'm trying to you know kind of dance around it but it's if you have watched the marketing i'm assuming you've you've seen at least a little bit of the marketing so you, you see that there's the main dragon but that's not the only dragon there and so what really fleshes the world out is the way they have very fine description about each one of these types of uh, dragons and this this world that they're living. It feels very lived in, is, is what I'd like to say. Um, and the detail may not come within their face or on the characters, um, on the character's face or body, but it it does come on their uh, their clothes. It's shown like it looks like they're. They're wearing actual fur, and you can pet it. And their their beards feel real and lively, and it's it, it's it's really good for 2010 animation. And I'd say the only thing was really the the faces that were really throwing me off for the majority of the uh, the marketing. And before I was watching it, once once you once you are watching it, it's not a problem. I'd say the faces are fine. Um, the animation, you know, you get you get used to it. Let's see. Anything else? I guess uh, I guess I will watch How to Train Your Dragon two, and then just follow up with three. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to podcast all of this or get them out in time in a ma- in a timely manner. But just check the show notes for if um if it's way down in the future and you want to know if we've actually podcasted or not. Normally, I'll update the the show notes to let you know if we've done later. Um, movies of you know how to train a dragon two or three and we'll link that in the show notes so um let me see what this did it was on a budget of 165 million dollars which technically means they needed to make 600 back i think they say you need to make three times whatever your budget is back i'm not sure if i'm assuming they made all of that back because of uh the two other movies that were taken you know so opening weekend on a budget of 165 million, it opened at 43 million in March 2010, the end of March. So um, yeah, I I can't say that's the biggest opening I've ever seen, but I guess that's pretty decent for an animated film with uh, not too big of a background that I can think of, like not too many big names. Um, no, like like branding names. I mean, we had some pretty. It was a pretty stacked cast, and I think the majority of the cast did a pretty uh, pretty good job. I'm I'm kind of surprised they made America Ferrera as Astrid uh, Caucasian because I'm pretty sure she is Latino and uh, Latina, and 
I believe, let me see, uh, she was born in Los Angeles, but I'm not exactly sure of her ethnicity, but anyways, um, yeah, that was my only thing, it could have been a, just a tad bit more diverse, maybe if we could, in the future, um, how to train your dragons, maybe just open up the diversity a little bit more on screen, not, I mean, behind screens, you know, okay, but the majority of, yeah, so maybe just work on the diversity just a tad bit. So, let me see, anything else with this? Um, I'd say just give it to the 20-minute mark. I thought it took about 20 minutes to really, really get going, but once I hit the 20-minute mark, I gave a shit about these characters. So, let's see, anything else? We covered just about all of it. Let me. Oh, I think I found the button for the cinematography. Let me see, credits... Cinematographer Gil Zimmerman. I'm not really sure if Gil has done anything else I know of. Let's see what he's also uh, featured on. Okay, so How to Train Your Dragon. Gil has been on How to Train Your Dragon 2010, Puss in Boots 2011, How to Train Your Dragon 2 2014, and he's on the third Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World 2019. So... Yeah, it, it, it. I guess I, I want to say this is uh, one of his uh, first attempts at being a cinematographer on on the big screen. I, I don't see anything else besides that. I see him. He worked a little bit as a in the animation department for uh, Tarzan, uh, Treasure Planet, Shark Tale, Over the Edge, and Galado's Guest before he was on uh, How to Train Your Dragon. But yeah, it was a it was a pretty crazy one, so um, I'd, I'd like to jump into spoilers before we uh, finish this up, and uh, let's let's hop into spoilers, and now I expect you to have watched How to Train Your Dragon, the first episode, uh, sorry, the first episode, I'm talking about, um, not the first episode, the first movie, alright, we're in the spoiler section, let's get this shit going, I'm slowly fading out for some reason i just get like all of a sudden super tired and i was like oh land i need to start cutting this off before i start sounding crazy all right so the spoiler section for how to train your dragon um i first of all i was so surprised that the main character lost his leg i was in shock i felt the emotional roller coaster i applaud both of these directors whoever's idea it was to put a handicapped individual in the front of an animation is is a one sauce in my book i thought that was amazing um i want to see more of i i, I mean i'm not, i don't want everyone's legs to get chopped off in all these animation films now but it felt like a very natural progression i was like the entire time i was thinking during that uh whole last battle sequence i was like of course he's gonna make it i know he's gonna make it i've seen the other i know that there's more movies coming it's this is not the type of movie to kill the main character um but the fact that they had the balls to go through and make him uh um make make him have uh uh amputated his leg and put a new leg on um is extremely powerful and extremely ballsy for a studio to do dreamworks wow that was that was amazing um that really hit me and i'm um i'm glad that they have some represent you know i guess handicap representation because i mean how many animations uh 
cartoons or anything, movies, cartoons or TV or anything, do you see this type of storytelling? And I think it was uh, expertly um, executed and it didn't feel like it was, uh, you know, pushed or pressed. It didn't feel like it was, um, you know, foretold or anything like that. I mean, we did see that he was using his foot a lot, but um, there wasn't a time that I thought that he was going to lose his leg. So that was extremely um, bold. So um, let's say, uh, let's do the quick, quick, we, we wind, rewind. How now, brown cow? Can I talk right now? How now, brown? <laughs> okay, so rewind. Let's do a quick, quick rewind. You see, I told you I get crazy when I, it gets late. I can't, can't speak. Um, need a water. Somebody give me a water. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, the the love interest. It was a little bit forced. He did kidnap her, and uh, I was like. I don't know about that. I don't. I the whole the whole time it didn't really feel like she was feeling them, and uh, I don't know. I didn't need them to have a love interest. I would have personally rather them not have a love interest. And I wonder what they do with the second and third episode or third. I keep calling them episodes. The second and third movies. Um, the uh, the diversity within the the world of the dragons was amazing. I loved seeing all the different types of dragons and them, you know, just discussing them and how they have different, you know, strengths and weaknesses and that type of thing. And it was, it was very, um, well done the way it was explained. It felt very grounded in real life. Also, I loved the, uh, I'm saying love a lot. I really liked the the way it was executed on Toothless. First of all, I didn't... The names Toothless and Hiccup were really hard sell for me. I think those were the three things. The name How to Train Your Dragon, the name Toothless, and Hiccup, all three of those things led for me as a teenager to say, I don't give a shit about this. This is not for me. Um, I guess I didn't understand that Hiccup was derived because he was a, a runt or a weakling, and uh, that's what the Vikings called him. Um, toothless was because he didn't have teeth, or he has retractable teeth, um, which is kind of weird. So I was like, these are kind of generic names, and they kind of feel like they weren't exactly thought out all the way through. Uh, so that was a little bit of a problem for me, so I don't want to say this was a perfect movie. The The execution of... Hiccup figuring out how to get him to fly was really cool. I think that's the type of storytelling I like seeing. I like seeing the character figure out how to do something right and how to you know how to how to make something work and get him from A to B. So I think this is one of the best best movies that show uh, natural progression of things happening. As in, he's testing things out. Some things don't work, and some things do work. And then he go, keeps improving. And you don't normally see that in movies. I feel like most movies they test one or two things, and it's done or it works or or something like that. It's not. It's not as much of a progression. It felt like this character really had to work at what he was doing, and and us as the viewer were working with him when he was working with Toothless and when he was working with the uh, the class, the class that he was working with. So 
yeah, it, it was it was really well done. Let me see the the, the creature design, all amazing. The faces did bother me. They they really did bother me. Um, with the exception of the main the main character's face, I'm not sure why they bothered me. I guess just because they weren't a consistent look. I I'm, I felt like I'm used to seeing people that look different, heads and shapes and sizes and ages and stuff. But the something about the faces in this just were so distorted for me. Just made it it, it threw me off so bad. And uh, having T.J. Miller and uh, Jonah Hill in the same in the same script just sounded it it sounded like you had two of the same people in the room and it was just kind of unnecessary so let me see yes it is a, a I'd say it follows the you know a hero's journey when it comes to the predictability but it takes enough turns that makes this more unique than most children's cartoons or family cartoons. I don't want to say just children's because this was it got kind of dark in some places. So uh, let's see anything else that we need to cover. The big bad monster that was a crazy ass design. I really liked the design on that. I wanted something big and crazy, and that I mean we got it. I wasn't sure how they were going to beat it, but it's uh, I, it, it was it was effective. So uh, the flying scenes. I didn't get to talk about the flying scenes. Oh. Oh, I had heard so many things about the flying scenes, and yeah, they delivered. They delivered the fucking goods, and you know by now the fucking flying scenes. Oh my goodness, um, yeah, that it, amazing. It feels like you're actually flying. It's uh, it's probably on par with Avatar when it comes to feeling like you're flying. I remember in Avatar there's a pretty good flying scene in there, but I'd say it's even better because they can do camera work in this that they weren't really doing or able to do in Avatar or many other flying quote-unquote simulators um, or movies that make you feel like you're flying. So, uh, yeah, this was spot on. I hear good things about How to Train Your Dragon 3. I heard 2 was... It was good, but not great, and I'm pretty sure number one was pretty great, so I'm a little bit hesitant to jumping on to number two. I might have to just skip to number three, but I feel like I'm missing something if I don't watch number two, you know? It's like, did someone die? Did did someone get married? Did, did something really important happen that I absolutely fucking missed, and I know it'll happen in, like, the two seconds that I look down, and, or if... If I don't watch number two, I know I'm going to regret it. So I might as well just watch the second one. I can't promise you I'm going to do a full podcast and all that shit. I, it's, it's, it's a lot of shit. You know, y'all don't, y'all don't understand sometimes just the stress. I don't, it's really not that stressful. It's just kind of getting all the notes down and everything. But it's, uh, it does take a few minutes. And uh, if you appreciate it, pl- appreciate us giving you any feedback, uh give us feedback and we can give you more podcasts we can improve for you i'm losing my mind right now so that's why i'm not making any sense so uh check out the library um email us at the lucky dog podcast at gmail.com oh my goodness i am like buh, 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 and we are done thank you for listening and take it easy
train your dragon. <laughs> it's like the size of my... Oh, get it off! In three days.